I'm doing well. How about yourself? Hey, Scott, are you there? Scott. No. Can you hear me, Scott? Yeah, can you hear me now? Uh, yep, I can hear you now. Okay. Let me get set up here. Okay. Now I think we're uh, rocking and rolling. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. I couldn't hear you for a second. At first, I thought it was my headphones. Yeah, it, it has been. It's been one of those that I don't know if you – I didn't think it was going to be this crazy, right? But I think it just shows how many teams feel that they're in the race. I mean, you see the Oilers, right? Like just how many moves they made. They feel like they're in it, that they're right there. Um, it shows how Van how serious Vancouver thinks they are um, because they went out and they got another goaltender. And Louis Domingue, the former Coyote, now a part of the Vancouver Canucks, and a guy who hasn't had the brightest of NHL careers, uh, but uh, that it just shows that Vancouver feels like they're right there and that they're in it, that they're willing to – whatever goaltender with NHL experience that's available that they went out and jumped at. So a crazy trade deadline. I didn't see the Coyotes make very many moves. They made a minor move, uh, but I didn't really expect too much for them. Um, and I didn't really think they were going to do all that much. Uh, what else were they going to be able to do? Right? Like I think when healthy, it's a very solid team. So um, just uh, interesting to see them uh, again, not necessarily surprised that they sat still, uh, but just to see everybody else around them really get better. Yeah, I totally agree. And of course, you're our main supporter for the Arizona Coyotes. I am the guy in Vegas. In Vegas, of course, uh, I think they anticipated this. They even had a whole show lined up to cover today. So uh, Vegas makes a big move as well. Yeah, and with their move, I think, again, they are um, – they. I think they were looking for another goaltender option, right? I think when Marc-Andre Fleury went out, I think Malcolm Subban's a decent goaltender. I just don't think he's ready yet. So I think that shows that Vegas understands what their need is, um, and they're going out, and they got Robin Leonard, who – uh, the time in Chicago didn't work out, but I don't think that was necessarily his fault. I think it's just where Chicago is at at the moment. I think you saw Chicago wave the white flag today. They, you know, they sent Gustafson off. Uh, Leonard going to 
Vegas. Like I think you saw them say, okay, that's it for us. You know, we, we tried to stay in and they stayed in as long as they can, but with Leonard, I mean, this year on a team that struggled defensively, still had a 918 save percentage. Sure. That goals against average is north of three, just a tad north 301, but a guy who still had a, a plus 900 save percentage almost into the 920s. So a guy who's still proving that he's a good goaltender and maybe uh, Vegas who's played really well. They've won six straight. They've played a lot better defensively. Uh, we'll see if those numbers, at least in the goals against category, uh, start to head head south a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that as well. Um, when we were when I was talking with uh, with some of the guys up in Vegas today, you could see that there was going to be a lot of movement. Uh, I think they just felt like they just didn't have all the pieces to make a Stanley Cup run. They were going to be in the uh, in the playoffs. They knew that. They just didn't know how far they could go. Right. And for them, how much does Robin Leonard actually carry you in the playoffs, right? Like he had a good, a good playoffs uh, with the Islanders last season. They got out of that first round and didn't end up getting swept by Carolina in round two. But for them, at least with the Robin Leonard trade, what else, what else is there, right? Like did, is he going to be, the, he's going to be the one to carry you in the playoffs, right? Like he's going to give, Marc-Andre Fleury, the rest that he needs. Uh, but and, and the other move that they made, uh, they got Nick Cousins, uh, former Coyote. He was on the Coyotes last year. The Coyotes last year. Front kind of replaces what Cody Eakin did um, you know, before that trade. So uh, for Vegas, yeah, they got a couple of depth pieces. But the most important one is getting Robin Leonard and making sure that Marc-Andre Fleury gets the rest he needs before – uh, they really hit the play. I think that was the problem last season is they didn't have a reliable backup goaltender and, you know, kind of the magic that Vegas had in that first year, right. With all those goalies playing early and they were still winning hockey games, uh, that magic kind of went away. And for Marc-Andre Fleury to play uh, the amount of games that he did last season without having a reliable backup. And another thing was, is it's not like, Vegas was in the same situation they were year one, right? Where they got out to such a hot start and they were way out in front of everybody that maybe they didn't have to play uh, Fleury as much. But last season, Marc-Andre Fleury played 61 games. I mean, that's a lot for a guy who's, again, only he's 35 now, right? So last year he was 34 years old, a, a guy that uh, is getting older. And you can't have Marc-Andre Fleury play 61 games and then expect him <laughs> – to hold up for 20 more in, in the most intense time in, in hockey. Yeah, totally agree with you. And the, uh, the, the other thing that they did, they made a couple of days earlier was the acquisition of Alec Martinez, who's already paying dividends for the golden Knights. As we saw uh, just the last couple of games, he scored twice and been a big impact in stabilizing their defensive core, which I thought needed help uh, from the very beginning this year. They, they've got some guys that are experienced, but they were kind of in the middle, right? They had some guys coming up that were young and maybe didn't have the experience to uh, to be a viable playoff type uh, run on their own. And then they had guys like Derek England who getting up there in age, who you know, who knows how much he's going to be able to play in the uh, in the playoffs because he's just going to get wore down, you know. So the pickup of Alec Martinez, I think, was as big as any they did. 
Yeah, and look, it's really hard to tell a guy like Derek Englund who was here from day one, you know, in Vegas from day one, a Vegas resident, really the biggest, at least face of, hey, this is Vegas, we're going to make it our home, it's already my home, you know, and the one that really connected the team with the community when they first got here, at least when the roster first got here. Um, So, yeah, it's tough to tell that guy, hey, hey, there's some fresher legs above you. Right. And that's kind of what they they, they kind of told him that with the acquisition of Alec Martinez, right? They and they kind of showed, okay, you know, Nate Schmidt's back, um, Theodore healthy. Now with Alec Martinez, okay, you know, they're kind of they're kind of putting the writing on the wall for him. You know, it, it's one of those things when you want to tell somebody something and you don't really want to say it up front, but you're going to drop little hints. That's kind of what Vegas is doing here, right? They're kind of dropping the hint that, hey, exactly, maybe you should transition to a different role. So, and again, it's tough, but he he understands, just like any other player, right? It's a business, and the business is winning hockey games. Um, so, and, and I, again, it's not that Vegas is throwing him to the wayside and just saying, get out of here. You know, they understand what, what he meant to this organization when they first got here, and Again, it was kind of a, a weary situation, right? Like, yeah. you get an expansion team in Vegas, and it was kind of the same thing when Arizona came here, and it's still the same thing. It's, oh, well, it's in the desert. Where do you find I, You know, all the jokes that you see. But in all seriousness, it's just one of those things where you they're not going to tell him, get out of here. They're going to definitely find a role for him, and, and he'll be a, a Vegas Golden Knight in some capacity for as long as he wants to be. Uh, so... Uh, it's it's tough to tell a guy like that, a guy who was really a, a decent defensive anchor for them on their way to the Stanley Cup final, to, hey, maybe it's uh, there's somebody else that can fill your role better. But I think he understands, and, and Vegas is very thankful for what he's done for the organization. Without a doubt. And, you know, I mean, it's been a funny year for Vegas this year because they started off uh, slow, inconsistent, I guess is a better word. Then they come out of the blue and they, they uh, fire Gerard Gallant and they hire Peter DeBoer, but they do so um, in the midst of uh, a long extended road trip plus the all-star break plus the actual break uh, off week, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. And then they come back. So all this transitioning of coaching staff versus players and all that took place before they ever got back to Vegas. And then they get back to Vegas and they run off five in a row before last night going into overtime and, and taking care of Anaheim on the road for their sixth win in a row. So, you know, I've commented about this, Seth, a lot. I know you look at the standings as close as I do. Uh, but this Pacific Division is crazy, isn't it? It is. And and that six-game win streak, that might as well be a 12-game win streak in the Pacific, right? If you can yeah. put yourself six points – between as of right now it's six points between vegas and because the coyotes have played two more games in than calgary arizona you know arizona uh, you put a six point gap in there that's huge especially with the way teams in the pacific have been very inconsistent and for vegas okay so you win six in a row now you're six points ahead of falling out of the playoffs who are the teams below you vancouver is without their their MVP, right? Maybe the Vesna Trophy winner, Jacob Markstrom, for the next three weeks, that was announced uh, by Canucks management. So, okay, now Vancouver's going to have to go with Thatcher Demko, who's young and inexperienced, 
he's been good when he's needed to be, but what's that pressure going to be like for him? And Louis Domingue, who hasn't really played in a high-pressure game in terms of you know playoff implications and maybe in his whole career, right? When he went to Tampa last right. year, Tampa was so far out in front of everybody that even the game – yeah, sure, he was trying to keep that win streak alive for them when they went on that incredible run uh, through January and uh, when uh, Vasilevsky went out. But he hasn't had to play in these playoff pressure-type situations. So goaltending right now for Vancouver is um, – is, is a question mark. For Edmonton, they got better today. Uh, the moves they made make me feel, uh, you know, as somebody who looks on, on the outside, more right. comfortable that they'll make the playoffs. Now, for you and I who cover, you know, the Coyotes and the Knights, yeah, that they've turned from almost a laughing stock, right? Like, when you look at their team, oh, it's a, it's a two-man show. It's right. a one-trick pony. It's, you know, nothing defensively. All of a sudden, you know, Darnell Nurse is great. Chris Russell's back to what he was four years ago. Uh, that team is playing really well. They got the extra pieces that they needed. So for Edmonton, you know, it's still, I think, a little shaky goaltending-wise. But um, in in this division, what they have goaltending-wise is going to be fine for them. Again, Oilers, they got Tyler Ennis from Ottawa, and they ended up getting Athanaseo from uh, Detroit, and it really didn't cost them all that much, right? Like, okay, yeah. so that uh, the Athenasio pick or the trade came in. Um, looking at looking at all these uh, transactions, by the way, on Sportsnet.ca, uh, 120 Eastern, so uh, 1120 Vegas, Arizona time. Um, well, actually, I forgot Vegas is in the Pacific time zone. Anyways, 1120 Arizona time, 1020 Vegas time. Uh, they get Athenasio, and it costs them two second round picks this year, next year. And it cost them Sam Gagne. Now, Sam Gagne, former Coyote as well, right. um, was was kind of a depth player, right? A guy that filled in. Okay, so you get a guy who's a little bit higher skilled, can play with McDavid, can play with Dreisaitl. Okay, but maybe you lost that depth forward. Well, what are you going to do? What they do, they expend their fifth-round pick next year to get Tyler Ennis, who's had kind of a, almost a rejuvenating season with Ottawa. And again, when you're a player on a bad team, Somebody's got to score the goals, right? Like Ottawa's right. not going to score zero goals the whole year. <laughs> Somebody's got to get the goals. Somebody's got to get the assists. I think Tyler Ennis benefited from that, but use he's going to use that momentum, kind of that rejuvenation, going to go to the Oilers, going to pretty much fill in with, for what Sam Gagne did. So, you know, the Oilers make the make those two deals. Um, and then a, a little bit later, as uh, reported, a uh, couple of um, kind of minor deals uh, by Edmonton. Uh, ended up getting Angus Redmond um, and a seventh-round pick. So they didn't really make it too many more um, major deals. But Edmonton has, you know, makes me feel a little more, um, a little more legitimate. Now the Flames, they yeah, were that's what I was going to ask. Relatively you. Busy. <laughs> They're the ones that made me a so bit nervous. I'm, to be honest with you. Uh, but I'm not sure how how nervous they really make me. Right? Like they traded Brandon Davidson away for future considerations. I think that was to open open the door a little bit, um, open some roster space for both Eric Gustafson, who they got from Chicago, and Derek Forbord, who they got from the Kings. Uh, they got a couple defensemen. You know, the defensemen kind of where they're at with Giordano, um, has, or um, sorry, not Giordano, TJ Brody um, has been. You know, it kind of makes them nervous about what, you know, what they're going to have on the back end, right? Like that's right. When it comes to defense, you know, for them, it it, it can be kind of tough. And, um, 
you know, they're without, again, they're without uh, their captain Giordano. Um, one of their young defensemen, Valamaki, is on long-term IR at the moment. So, you know, they're uh, a little banged up right now defensively. Uh, and Travis Hamanick out as well. So they went out, got a couple defensemen, but they're not defensemen that make me feel as if Calgary's gotten exponentially better, right? The, the Alec Martinez trade to Vegas, it was like, okay, Vegas just got a top four defenseman. And when they get healthy defensively, like that team is going to be very hard to score. And then they get Robin Leonard. And, you know, you hate to say this, right? But uh, you might as well just start sewing the banner now for the Pacific Division Championship because if Vegas continues the way they play defensively and with two number one goaltenders, like we thought in the Pacific, oh, wow, the Coyotes are the only team with two number one goaltenders. Eh, Vegas, I think, kind of took a peek over what was going down out in Glendale and they said, Maybe we should try the two number one goaltenders thing, and that's exactly what they did. So, but with Vegas or with Calgary, excuse me, the moves that they make again, it's to solidify defensively to kind of get them over. But I still think they're in trouble until they get Giordano and Hamannick back. Yeah, true. And with the season starting to wind down now, when you start counting uh, games and you're less than the twenty mark, you don't have a lot of time to uh, have guys out for any length of time. And speaking of that. Um, a happy day back in Glendale on the practice ice today with uh, Darcy Kemper coming back. So hopefully he stays healthy, but what's your opinion on the, the health of the goaltenders at uh, the Arizona Coyotes right now? Uh, I think they're in a good spot goaltending wise. Um, but what's really concerning is defensively Jason right. Demers still on long-term IR. Jacob Chikrin just went to IR last week. Um, I think that injury is a little bit more serious than initially kind of thought. Um, so right now, again, uh, looking at this on cap friendly, a great resource for those of you trying to, you know, uh, when you kind of look at the cap and some of the math, you, you know, it kind of hurts, right? Like you're like, yeah. okay, well, how much do they really have? And trying to do all the math cap friendly does that math for you. Uh, so right now, you know, listed on cap friendly, six defensemen up. Um, they sent Aaron S down and then recall them immediately. What's that? What that is to do is you have to have your guys down in the AHL before the end of the trade deadline in order to get them for the eligible for the AHL playoffs. The Roadrunners right now look like they're going to coast into the AHL playoffs. They kind of slow down a little bit, but uh, I think they want to get Aaron Ness down there. You know, a, a veteran presence, a guy who's played NHL games now this year. If the Coyotes were for some reason not able to make it to um, the Stanley Cup playoffs, he'd be really a really good asset down in Tucson. Um, but that's the thing right now. So you're rolling with six defensemen. You can bring Capobianco back up. You and I had talked about that. He hasn't had the, the greatest of times even down when he's gotten sent down to Tucson. Um, I think he struggled a little bit, maybe still playing a little cautious on that knee. But, um, you know, I think the Coyotes are okay right now. But you have to get Chikrin and Demers back before really the second week of March. Because if they don't come back, I, you know, and again, I think Aaron Ness and Chikrin or uh, Labushkin and Osterle played extremely well on Saturday against Tampa. Uh, but how long is that going to last, right? I think you've seen inconsistent performances from, uh, you know, the bottom pairing or the bottom three defensemen at times this season. And I think it's because kind of the, almost the revolving door due to injuries. Uh, so that's a guy, you know, 
you you want your big players back. You want Chikram back, who was on an absolute tear before he got hurt. Jason Demers um, was playing extremely well before he got hurt. Yes, getting Darcy Kemper back helps a lot. And I think this team is in a lot p- better position than they were last year heading into this time, right? Because we were talking about the same thing on trade deadline day last year. The Coyotes are right there. <laughs> yeah. Are they going to make any big moves? They don't really make any of these moves. And I feel a lot more comfortable this year saying, yes, the Coyotes were fine not making moves. Now, last year, I thought they should have made uh, maybe a big move or two, but they didn't necessarily have like the draft capital or uh, the draft assets, you know, or the prospect assets to really just be to go all in, right? Like, I don't think they were, they felt that they were in that position that even if they got in, they would win around. And I think when you're talking about an organization like the Coyotes, who have been building to this point for, uh, I think really officially in terms of when they really threw in the towel it was probably about four or five years ago um, when they said, yes, we're just going to kind of blow it up and do a, an entire rebuild. Um, this is what they've been building towards. And when you build towards this, you want to win a round of a playoffs, right? Like you don't want right, to, yeah. you don't want to build all this draft capital and, and all the, and this prospect pool and then trade it all, all away just to get swept in the first round. Right. And exactly. I think when you take a look at Columbus, I think uh, around the hockey world, everybody kind of points to the Coyotes as what Columbus did last year, right? Like Columbus was at a point where it's, okay, we've built for so long. This is the time we need to just go out there and and say, and just put all your chips on the table, right? And I think that's what the Coyotes did with Taylor Hall. That's what the Coyotes did with the Phil Kessel trade. Um, They kind of put their chips on the table and said, yeah, we're going in right now. Like this is, we've done, we've waited, you know, we have the draft capital, we drafted the guys we wanted. We kept the guys that we thought are going to be useful to this team. And here's our chips, and and they've bought in for this season. So on a season when you're buying in, injuries are tough, especially to the the guys. And when you look at Jacob Chickern, he was a part of those chips, right? Like right. you got that extra pick for eating Pavel Datsuk's salary uh, after he went back to Russia, and he's turned out to be amazing. But it's, it's tough when you don't have those guys that, you know, you – kind of kept up and when you go to to buy in you don't you don't have all your pieces with you so again i feel more comfortable for the coyotes right now but uh, getting darcy kemper back helps a lot uh but it, it's really going to be key for both chicken and demers to to find their way back here pretty soon okay so let me ask you this just uh in your opinion how important at this stage in the game are those games in hand that everybody has on the Coyotes. Does that make you nervous at all? It will. It makes me a little bit nervous, but it makes me more nervous if they don't win on Tuesday because they play Tuesday, they being the Coyotes play Tuesday, then they're off until Saturday. And in that kind of in that window, a lot of those teams are going to start, picking up those games, right? right? Like the Coyotes have, right. They're going to start picking up those games. So the Coyotes, you go out and win, they go out and win tomorrow, right? They're at 72 points, kind of put it an okay buffer three days off before they play Buffalo to wrap up February. Again, it's the leap year. So on the, the extra day of the calendar, the Coyotes close out against the Sabres, but then you get three days off until you play the Canucks, the Flames and the Jets. Um, That's uh, three games in six days. Then you have two more days off before you come back home and play the Canucks, and then the schedule kind of gets regulated back out. So you're going to have a lot of – you're not going to have an entire week off, but, you know, again, at one point. You get three days off this week, 
And then after Saturday, you have three more days off before you play Wednesday. That's a lot of games that are going to be made up by some of those teams. So that's why it's important for them to win tomorrow. Because if you do win tomorrow, you kind of put a, a little bit of a buffer between you and, and some of those teams. Now it's helped that uh, some of those teams have, you know, played, right? Like the Coyotes um, or Winnipeg, excuse me. They're at 64 games. They play tomorrow. So they'll be at 65. The Coyotes at 66. The one that really concerns me is Nashville. They're at 68 points through 61 games played. That's the one uh, I was thinking as well. But the thing with Nashville is, is they, again, this is a, a team that has been one of the top contenders over the last, you know, couple of years. They went to the Stanley Cup final um, back in 2017. They won the Central in 2018. Uh, and then, you know, again, a high, high seed in the playoffs last season um and they actually they did win the central last season and ended up losing to dallas who was a wild card team so um but when you take a look at nashville right so they play tomorrow so they still have four games in hand but then they'll play on thursday so then so not only do they play thursday but then calgary plays thursday as well that'll put arizona back even with calgary um, in terms of games in hand, if I'm correct. Um, so you're starting to, you're really starting to get, get some of those games back. Um, yeah, with uh, Calgary, sorry, they'll be within one, one game in hand. And then both the Coyotes and the Predators play on Saturday. But here's where things start to catch up. Now, the Predators play Saturday, so they'll still have three games in hand. But then, while the Coyotes are off until the 4th of March, which is a Wednesday, next Wednesday, the Predators will play two more times. They play a back-to-back -back Monday and Tuesday. So by the time you get to March 4th, next Wednesday, the Predators um, will be within one game even of the Coyotes in terms of play. So, yeah, you're like, oh, man, four games in hand, that's a lot it's a lot of, okay, you're going to, you're going to get a better feel for where the coyotes are and what they need to do come next Wednesday. So again, it's one of those things like, yeah, you look at the standings and you're a little nervous. You're like, okay, when are these games going to catch up? I think when we come back and do the podcast on March 9th, you and I are going to have a lot better idea of where the coyotes are going to be. I would agree hundred percent. So as we look at the Pacific Division right now, uh, I would say the Golden Knights, and I'm guessing you're going to agree with me on this one, have kind of the stranglehold on the top spot. Um, Edmonton made, as you said earlier, that they made some progress in the trade uh, acquisition part today. Um, the Coyotes, Vancouver, Calgary, all right in the mix. So if I were to pick your brain for a uh, crystal ball, right now in front of you and you were to tell me where you think the coyotes are going to finish are they going to be a wild card team or are they going to get into the top three of the pacific so what i heard from vancouver again not me personally from the vancouver connects organization but from what's been kind of thrown out there and what's been uh, put public it's going to be three weeks for jacob marstrom yep i think that's really going to hurt vancouver and you look at vancouver um 27 and four at home, very impressive. 
13, 15, and two on the road. Not a good road team. And not only are they not a good road team, they're going to be without their goaltender. Maybe the Vesna winner, right? Like, even when he comes back, I still think he's the Vesna winner. And they go on a three, or this week, they're on the road for uh, four games. Three in Eastern Canada, and then one in Columbus on the second half of a back-to-back. So all of a sudden, you put a Canucks team who's young, vulnerable, without their starting goaltender, in a really bad position, it, it, playing in a spot that they've struggled a lot in, and that's on the road. I think you're going to see the Canucks take a little bit of a dive. And again, they play Montreal and they play Ottawa. Again, not necessarily teams to sleep on. I think Ottawa's very competitive on most nights. They just took Columbus to overtime. Uh, I think uh, where Ottawa's at is what the Coyotes were at two seasons ago, right? Like they got off of that really bad start, kind of put any dam- you know damper on any sort of playoffs. But at the end of the year, they really started to put it together. I think that's where Ottawa's at right now. They just don't have that talent to win games, but they're really pushing teams. They beat the Coyotes, right? Like right. I think Ottawa pushes teams. Toronto's going to be hungry. Um, you know, Columbus will, will hit you till you can't get back up. So um, I think I think the Coyotes, if, you know, and I know we, we continue to talk about this, right? Like it's it's beating the broken record and, and we continue to beat the drum. And I still think they can get one of those top three seeds. I, won't, I would be interested to see how Edmonton kind of gels together once – not that I think they'll have trouble, but I think it'll be interesting to see what, how those pieces kind of fall into place once McDavid finally gets back and, and to kind of see what that's going to look like for them. Yeah, I, I, here's my prediction right off the top. I say Vegas. I think, I think the Coyotes, when it's all said and done, will sneak into that two spot. And I think the uh, Oilers will take over the third spot. And then as far as Calgary and Vancouver, they're going to be battling with uh, Nashville and Winnipeg for the uh, wild card positions. But that being said, it all comes down to, like we always say, the goaltending, right? And uh, assuming that Darcy Kemper is healthy, I know he played pretty strong game in his uh, one day down in Tucson, which, by the way, is kind of cool, right? <laughs> You send Darcy Kemper down to Tucson, and those fans get to see him for one game. I know there were some kind of snide remarks coming from uh, from uh, the, the Colorado AHL franchise. The Eagles were saying, like, oh, yeah, well, we could take, you know, a couple of goaltenders from our avalanche team and put them down there. And, and I'm going, like, you guys didn't get the point. The point of it was he was on a reconditioning or a conditioning stint, right? So it wasn't like they, that the Roadrunners picked him up to try to win a game. By the way, they lost as well. <laughs> so what was your thought on uh, Darcy going down, and how do you think he's going to perform starting tomorrow night? Um, now, have they? I haven't seen anything, and obviously I think they'll be a little bit mum uh, until tomorrow comes around. But um, and, and I think there's gonna, a couple factors, right? You don't necessarily want to rush uh, Darcy Kemper right back into it, but Auntie Ranta just had his wife just gave birth to their second child today. Yep, he might get the day off tomorrow. I don't know how much he's going to be sleeping tonight. Um, uh, you're a father yourself; I'm sure you can attest to uh, not only how many times you got to wake up during the night to make sure the child's okay, but I'm sure those uh, the hospital beds, you know, the ones yeah. kind of pushed out of the wall for the guests, aren't the most comfortable. So, 
Um, I don't know yeah. how you know. I would say he might be seeing going to be in uniform tomorrow. I got a feeling it's going to be. Uh, maybe he'll dress, but I, I would guess he's not going to be uh, mentally sharp enough to to start. So I think Kemper is going to have to start. I think they need him to start. I think they want him to start, and I think they want to see where they can go with him. But you know, anytime you're dealing with that lower body injury, like you and I watched him go down that day, um, man, that's just kind of a scary thing because. You never know when you're going to re-aggravate that. And is he really 100% or is he, you know, just trying to get back and help his team? That's the way my feelings are anyway. Yeah, I I think he's 100% because I think the Coyotes organization has learned from what's happened to Auntie Ronta the last two seasons. Right. And, I, you know, I think two years ago, you know, when Ronta kind of had that that groin pull um, in practice a couple weeks ago and he came off Yeah, you know, everybody freaked out. and was like, Oh, you know, why is he getting off? Like what's wrong? Is it something long-term? No, he understands his body. The coyotes training staff understands his body. You do not want to push a guy who, you know, again, with injuries like that, with a guy who's had a history of lower body injuries as a goaltender, you don't want to push that in practice. You want to give it that extra day, right? It's, it's losing the battle to win the war, right? It's yes. kind of one of those adages that's, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of cliche, but right, like you lose the battle to win the war, and the war right now is to get into the playoffs. So I think I don't, I think they sent him down to make sure he was okay. I think they sent him down and said, play in this game, and you tell us how you feel, and if you're not ready, that's fine. I think you know, I, I'm sure they would have loved to try and and put him right back in if they could. But um, I think he's okay. Um, I think you may see, maybe not this year, but both him and, and Ront are, are somewhat active goaltenders, right? Like they're not the, the old school stand-up goaltenders who just kind of try to cut the angle and then throw their pads at it. You know, they're very active. Yeah. They get down in the butterfly really well. They, you know, when he made that save, it was an extending stop, right? Like well, was it that's ever. why he, that injury happened. And – you talk about a guy like Jonathan Quick who early in his career was amazing but continued to get hurt because he played that, you know, sprawling style. And, and Quick mm-hmm. kind of reined that in a little bit. Um, it was a struggle for him at first. I think in that 2013 season, uh, the one that was lo- uh, locked out short in what was supposed to be the 2012-2013 season turned into the 2013 season. Right. Um, you know, I think he struggled a little, a little bit out of the gates. But when he got in that 2014 season, it was it was unbelievable. So – um, I think you're going to see, again, maybe not fully this year, but I think you're going to see both him and Ronta maybe calm down a little bit more in terms of, you know, sprawling to make those saves. And you know, they're going to find the, you would say, the efficient way to, to make the best stop. So um, I think he's fully ready to go. Um, I think, uh, you know, even if Ronta is in uniform, you might see him with a pillow. <laughs> uh, on the bench on the side of the glass maybe trying to catch some some extra sleep before he heads back to the family so right. um, but yeah I, I think he's ready um, and that's a guy and I think you've seen it a lot more too from the Coyotes they that team wants to play for the guy behind him right I think there's well, a lot of times are. you'll see a, a team I wouldn't necessarily say quit but maybe not play as hard um this team understands, especially the guys that were here last year, what Darcy Kemper did for them to keep them in a playoff race that they had absolutely no business being in. Um, 
and they're going to go out there and, you know, they have the extra firepower. And I think the guys that were here last year are going to say, not this year, not, a, not again. We're not going to let another hard fought effort by our tandem goaltenders and Darcy Kemper fall to the wayside again. Very well said. All right, let's uh, let's talk just a little bit. We're going to wrap it up in a few minutes here with uh, with some final thoughts on on both the Vegas Golden Knights and the Arizona Coyotes. But let's talk first a little bit about what this podcast is designed to be. It's Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, which is a branch off of our uh, NCAA show, which is tomorrow night at seven thirty at College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Also added this year is the Club Hockey Southwest Weekly on Wednesday night. So. Three podcasts in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're breaking them in. We're trying to get all the kinks out of it. But, Seth, when I told you about this, what I what I was thinking a long-term on this is that uh, professional hockey in the Southwest is, is really starting to take off, right? Five years ago, it was the Arizona Coyotes. That was it. Three years from now, we're going to have the Arizona Coyotes, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Tucson Roadrunners, the Henderson Silver Knights, and whatever they decide to call that Seattle franchise in Palm Springs will all be in our coverage area. Um, just your thoughts on, on the growth of professional hockey and not only the growth, but just the caliber of play that we're seeing out of our two NHL teams and our AHL team right now. Yeah, I think it's one that when I was in high school, that's when the entire Coyotes thing went down in terms of, you know, this team's going to move. There's 9 million buyers. Who's going to move them to Hamilton? Who's going to move them, you know, to <laughs> Seattle, this, that, everything. And it was a very dark time, not only in, in, you know, hockey in Arizona, but just in professional sports. I mean, the D-backs, um, when the Coyotes made the Western Conference Finals, that was back in 2012. The Cardinals were still struggling. Uh, they were drafting top 10 again. Uh, the Suns couldn't get out of their own way, and they still can't. Um, and, you know, the D-backs had just come off of uh, making the playoffs with kind of a, a – you know, I don't want to say ragtag bunch. They had some good talent on there. But, you know, it was a team that the year prior had, you know, lost 100 games, and nobody expected anything out of them. So um, – but that summer they ended up disappointing. It was a team that a lot of people thought would maybe even push for, you know, uh, an NL – NLCS spot and they ended up finishing 500. So for the Coyotes off the ice, things were very dark, but on the ice, they were one of the only successful teams, maybe the only successful team in the Valley. I agree. Um, and they were struggling and they were still struggling to get attendance. And I think it was just because of, you know, the negative energy surrounding the team. And again, that, that didn't have anything to do with the players or, you know, the, uh, the people who work in the organization, right, from media relations, community relations, whatever it may be. It was solely based off the fact that nobody knew if this team was going to be here next year, so why get invested, right? Like, right. So for – the Valley has grown, and I think it's – I know we have – and I'll touch on Vegas in a minute because I think Vegas is a very great story too. But to live in Arizona over the last 10 years and to literally go from, you know – is this team going to be here the next day too? Right. Yeah. This team is, you know, this is maybe the most promising team outside of the D backs in the Valley. And it feels like they're here to stay a while. Like you don't, I, I feel like we don't, you know, you hear the jokes from people and, Oh, 
you know, they should move to Houston. But when you really talk to people in the league and, and you know, people who are around the NHL, it's a feeling that, okay, you know, they're here to stay and they can build something. And when you talk to Aaron Cohen, he always brings up Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa right. Bay is the model franchise and that's what we want to do. And, you know, I don't think Tampa Bay was necessarily ever in danger of moving, but when you saw them at their worst, you know, they won that Stanley Cup and just like, just like any other team and especially in the salary cap area, it's like they say, uh, you know, you win the cup and, and you party and then, you know, the bill comes, the bill shows up, you got to pay the salary cap, right? Like you can't pay everybody. Right. Tampa Bay was in a pretty bad spot. And people weren't going to those games and, you know, the jokes were made, oh, I couldn't get a fan in the arena. And then they got good again, and you can't buy a ticket to a Lightning game anymore. It, That's a fact. With the Coyotes, with the Coyotes, they have the community part down. They're all over the valley. They're spending money on advertising, which is something you didn't see in the past. And now you're starting to put a winning product on the ice again. I don't know. Are they Stanley Cup contenders? Mm, we'll see. They got to get in, right? They're one of those teams that, okay, we'll we'll say they're Stanley Cup contenders when they get in, and, and we'll see how they perform. So, uh, for Arizona, it's been amazing to go from, you know, even though they made the playoffs, they're going to move to this team's going to be here a while and they're good. Now, for Vegas, I, I will be very interested to see how Vegas does if and when they ever have to be bad, right? Like, yeah. again, the salary cap era, <laughs> I hear that you. might come. Now nobody would have guessed that they were they were going to the Stanley Cup Finals in Europe. Right? No, nobody, nobody could guess that. But my fear, and, and again, I think the run they made to the Stanley Cup Final and how good they've been since—that that wasn't just a one-year wonder. They're still good. They're going to make the playoffs this year. So I think that's going to help. But when they're bad, what does the attendance? Right, like I think you get to a point where okay, you know, again, not, I don't foresee Vegas being terrible within the next five years, but if they ever do have to kind of go through the rebuild, what is that going to be like? Are the fans are the fans going to go to the games? Are we going to have issues like when um, when Dallas and Tampa Bay and you know you see it with Florida who's struggling, right? Like those arenas are empty. And right, yeah, I the would... fact is, is when when you get to sorry, when you get to a, a warmer weather city, and you get to a city that has a lot more sporting options, if you're bad, nobody cares. So it'll be interesting to see again for Vegas. It's really the only show in town right now. They are getting the Raiders, but they don't have an NBA team to compete with. So yeah, we'll <laughs> I'd be interested to see. But well, but, here's. Here's my thoughts on Vegas. When, go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. Oh, sorry. Just one last thing. So um, I think when you're, uh, you know, if you work for the Golden Knights and on the business side, uh, when, you know, you hate to see people say, oh, games are too expensive and, I, you know, we can't get in. But I think from a business standpoint, that's what you want to see because that means your team is in demand. So um, I think it, it, right now the Knights, at least from a business standpoint, are in a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. But I was uh, – getting at and my point was the golden knights uh, 
they have a fan base that that pays top dollar to see their teams and they have a market for their ticket right now because of their early success and their early newness if you will uh in the vegas area but now they're going into a six thousand seven thousand seat ahl facility as well with the team and that's going to be a whole different price point they've already sold 5300 uh season ticket deposits in a six thousand seat building so uh, i think the demand is there i think people are just in vegas anyway or just starve for for professional sports at any level so I think they'll be a huge success. The, the team that I'm wondering about, Seth, is is Seattle's AHL franchise in Palm Springs. How's that going to draw? Is that going to be a Tucson draw, or is that going to be a Vegas draw? Because you don't really think, even I guess you should say, you think even less about professional hockey in Palm Springs, California, than you do in Vegas and and Tucson and Phoenix, right? Right, and. I, I don't know. I think that's so tough because, yeah, that's that's kind of a – that's far away, right? Like that's so far away. I think in that Pacific Division, um, one of the far – that you know, kind of distances obviously with Bakersfield and Edmonton and then Calgary and Stockton, that's uh, a little bit of a flight. But in terms of like, you know, staying close, I figured they would have stayed maybe in the Oregon area. I mean, Portland – That's what I thought too. It's kind of, yeah. you know – when when they when there's always relocation talks and um, you know maybe expansion talks you know it's always like oh Quebec 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 and then kind of in the background you're like Portland you know you kind of see people you know pushing <laughs> yeah. Portland they have um, they have the winter hawks of the WHL uh, right and then that that team gets that team gets a good crowd so uh, it'll be interesting to see because yeah you're not going to have that right like you and I have you know, we want to cover a Roadrunners game and we get the access. It's a two hour drive. Right. If you're a Seattle fan, you want to go see the AHL team. That's a three hour flight. Right. Into LA. And then you got to drive to Palm Springs. Like it's not that close. So, um, I think you'll see more of a Vegas. Um, I think you'll see more Vegas people go to see the Henderson silver Knights, um, rather than, uh, Tucson people go. But again, I, I think, but it'll be interesting to see how Palm Springs kind of embraces that, right? Like that's going to be yeah, their that's what first I'm waiting to see. Yeah, professional and, and I think sports. So like this kind of all ties oh, ahead, in with yeah, this kind of all ties in with like the growth of NCAA hockey too, and that's kind of what I was bringing it full circle to is that the NCAA wants to grow very badly in the West, but the numbers just aren't there right now. I mean, we watch Arizona State still waiting for a building, right? We, we don't know if there's going to be another team. Now there's the Alaskas and, and Huntsville that, that may be independents or may not have programs. We don't know in a year down the road. So it, the NCAA is still in flux, but the AHL seems to be grabbing a foothold. I mean, San Diego is a good environment. Tucson's a good environment. Bakersfield, Stockton, San Jose. I mean, you just go right down the list, and all of them seem to do pretty well. So I don't think there's any doubt that – that uh, Palm Springs will eventually get there. I just don't think they're going to be as quick. I mean, if you even told Tucson in your first year that the Roadrunners would have had 5,300 season ticket deposits before they ever played a game, I think they would have just jumped for joy. But, uh, you know, so that just goes back to Vegas again and just how crazy those fans are. But 
it's a completely different price point, right? The ones that love the Golden Knights can't um, get the tickets. They can't afford the tickets, but they can afford to uh, to maybe do a smaller amount and go to an AHL game. And then the other thing that I got to throw out before we uh, kind of wrap things up with our, our last thoughts on our two teams is uh, in Vegas, they – if they were selling tickets, they'd sell out practice, right? I mean, they put a thousand to fifteen hundred people as many as they could cram in there for a practice. So that doesn't surprise me that the AHL team will uh, will draw well as well. Okay, so here's what I want to do to wrap up the last ten minutes of the show. I'm going to spend five minutes talking about the uh, the Golden Knights and the uh, the schedule they got ahead of them and the team that they're going to be putting on the ice, and then I'm going to give you uh, a five minute window to. Tell me about the uh, the Coyotes' schedule and uh, the team they're going to put on the ice for the stretch run. So I'll go first, let you get a chance to think about the Coyotes since I threw it at you in a spur of the moment. So here goes my five minutes about the Golden Knights. You ready? I'm ready. All right. This is why the Golden Knights, in my opinion, are going to win the Pacific. The next five games are at home. They play the Oilers, the 26th the Sabres the 28th, the Kings on March 1st, the Devils on March 3rd. All four of those games are on home ice. Then they go to the Jets. Then they go to the Flames. So with that long stretch when Vegas replaced Gallant uh, with DeBoer, that was a period of time where they were on the road, right? And they knew this was coming up, and they knew they had to be ready to go in front of their home fans. Um, uh I don't know who's going to stop this team right now when I see that because um, the teams that they're going to face are just not formidable opponents, I don't think, at the moment, at least for the next, what, seven, six games. So if you build a lead up like that, let, let's say they go 6-0, and which would then give them a 12-game win streak. I mean, they're pretty much going to lock up the Pacific Division. Now, let's talk about the, the, the players that they have on the ice and where they made the biggest improvement. Obviously, goaltending. I think uh, Leonard is going to push uh, Mark andre I think that's what they wanted. I wanted it, you know, it's no secret that Mark andre has been a little bit lost since he lost his father who passed away earlier this year. And I think they want to refocus him. But I also think they want to have a guy that they know. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon said that today in the press conference. He said, we just didn't think we could make a deep run in the playoffs. Nothing against Malcolm Subban, but with the goaltender that they had there. So Leonard is going to be a guy that's going to be able to back up Mark Andre and, and, you know, change it out for him every now and then when he needs a break, which is going to keep Mark fresh. And I think what they really think is it's going to push him in practice to make him more focused and, and ready to go. Now the rest of the roster for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think their struggles this year were twofold. I think uh, Gerard Gallant let them get a little bit loose. Um, it got a little bit too comfortable, and I think that's probably the number one thing. If you get some truth serum into uh, Kelly McCrimmon and and the uh, George McPhee, and you asked them why they made the change, I would guess that that's what would come out of their mouths. Saying that, though. I also think there's a lot of things going on in Vegas off the ice. I mean, there's a grand opening tonight of five uh, Golden Knights players that opened up a Wolfgang Puck um, players restaurant uh, up in Summerlin. They, uh, Ryan Reeves has his own beer. Um, they, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on off the ice. Now, almost every day you see that they're signing autographs somewhere. 
I just don't think they had their focus, right? You bring in Peter DeBoer, and here's what he does for them. He brings back structure, first and foremost. They all have to mind their P's and Q's, if you will, because there's a new coach, and they don't know whether their playing time is going to be adjusted or not. He also comes in with a, an outlook where he can see this team from the outside. He makes some changes with William Carlson. He switches up that line. He makes some changes with uh, Jonathan Marchessault and puts him on a different line. Um, he looks at some of the young kids. He brings up, uh, you know, a white cloud. He brings up um, Nick Roy, puts him in the lineup here and there. Cody Glass, all these guys that have seen time um, with him. So I think the focus change for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I think that's what's going to be their turning point into the season. Number one reason why I think that they're going to roll on and, uh, and capture the Pacific Division is because of their defensive court. It was the liability, what, no matter what anybody says, it was a liability coming into this year. And that change with Alec Martinez and the growth and maturity of uh, some of the younger guys like Nick Haig um, and uh, White Cloud, like I said, is now maturing into a better defenseman. That just seems to be the area that they were a little bit weak. They can score goals. We all know they can put the puck in the net. We also know that they have two of the best goaltending uh, goaltenders in the league right now. So with my final 30 seconds, Seth, I think that's why the Golden Knights are going to be the team to beat in the Pacific Division and, and maybe even in the Western Conference when it all is said and done. It, it's just a matter of bringing the whole group together. I think the talent's there. We know their cap space is really tight because they've had to – send guys up and down, but that's my reasoning on it. Five minutes to tell me why uh, your Arizona Coyotes are going to get this done. So for the Coyotes, I won't go as far as you. I won't say they'll win the Pacific. I think they're in a spot where they understand that, okay, maybe we let a chance the division slip out of our fingers, but we still have a chance to get into the playoffs. And I think that's what this team needs. This team needs to be simplified. I think when they went on the road last week and they played St. Louis and they played Dallas, uh, they kind of had saucer eyes for that division title. I think they saw, hey, it's wide open, you know, two-game win streak and we could be there. I think Vegas pulling away a little bit, as weird as it sounds, is good for the Coyotes. Because now you can say, okay, the way we've played at this point in the season, maybe we're out of the division race. And again, there's a lot of hockey to play left, and it's only a six-point deficit. But right now they can say, okay, how about that second spot? How about that third spot? Let's stay simple. And it's a team that has been through a lot last season. And it's a team that got exactly what they needed last season in, the, in this past offseason. And that's guys that have been there before. They get Phil Kessel, a guy who's been there before, who knows what it takes to close out a regular season, who knows what it takes to get hot in the playoffs. They went and got Taylor Hall, a guy who knows how to put a team on his back. When he made the playoffs last with New Jersey in 2017, they were the last team in, the last team in in the Eastern Conference. They had to scratch, and they had to claw every second of every game that season. So he knows what it takes. Clayton Keller knows what it takes to get into the playoffs, knows what that heartbreak is like. You can say the same thing for, you know, Alex Goligoski, Jason Demers, Jacob Chikrin. They know what that heartbreak is like. Nicholas Jarmelson, 
who I still think is the best pure defenseman in the National Hockey League. He's been the best pure defenseman I've seen play this season and maybe ever. He knows what it takes to not only get in to the playoffs, to scratch and claw all the way to the final second, but he knows what it takes to win multiple Stanley Cups, how hard it is, what that grind is like. I don't think Darcy Kemper wants to ex- experience the heartbreak he did last year with how hard he played and how they felt just short. I think this is a team that if they rediscover their road magic, it's off to the races. They're 8-3-1 and one, uh, in their last 12 games at Gila River Arena. And for a team that was well under 500 at home at certain points of this season, incredible. They're at 16-11-4 at home now. They are 15-15-4 on the road. Yeah, it's it hasn't been pretty on the road for them, but it's time for a hard reset. Right now what they need to do with their roster, um, again, trade deadline's over. Everybody can breathe easy, right? Uh, Craig Morgan had talked to uh, Michael Grabner, and Michael Grabner basically said, yeah, I'm glad I stayed. You know, I like everybody here. There's no nervousness, right? There's no ner- – am I going to get traded? You know, guys like Lawson Krause. Christian Fisher, who are, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, at the bottom part of that lineup, are we going to get traded for bigger pieces? No. Everybody knows they're here for the long run now. They know what it's going to take. They remember the heartbreak last season. So this is a team that's ready to strap in. Again, I'm not going to go as far as you. I don't think they're going to run away and, and challenge for a Pacific Division title. But you've got games, again, you hit the hard reset. Everybody's here. Everybody take a deep breath. This is the roster we're going with the rest of the way because they trust them. That has to be the message starting tomorrow at practice. This is, we have this roster. We didn't make any move, major moves because we trust you guys. We think you are the best fit to take this team to the playoffs. That has to be a good feeling, right? And you take a look at their schedule. Florida, not great defensively. Buffalo, a little demoralized by the way their season is going. Then the test, you go on the road for three games at Vancouver, at Calgary, at Winnipeg. Those have to be your best three games of the year. And that three-game road trip will determine whether the Coyotes make the playoffs or they sit at home in early April for the eighth consecutive season. That, that wraps it up, folks. Uh, I do want to throw out two things. Seth and I will both be keeping an eye on these two dates. Uh, March 18th, the Golden Knights are here with the Coyotes. And uh, seven days later, on the 25th of March, the, the Coyotes will be up in Vegas to play the Golden Knights. What Seth also alluded to was that the, the Golden Knights, if they do run away with things, they will also help the Coyotes in the standpoint that they'll be eliminating teams like the Oilers, the Flames, the Canucks. The, the Golden Knights have the Oilers three more times this year. So uh, that could do some help for the Coyotes if the Golden Knights get hot and uh, and run away with it and then create some space for the Coyotes to make their move as well. So thanks for tuning in to the first debut, the first uh, edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Seth and I will be back next Monday night. We will be at 7.30. I promise you I won't be stuck in traffic behind an accident. <laughs> we'll get on live. Seth, thanks for joining in with us tonight. Uh, let's hope that uh, we're all talking some more wins with this new, uh, the new look Vegas roster and the uh, the old look Coyotes roster. That's right. Uh, only two games next week for the Coyotes, so um, I think uh, hopefully next week we'll be talking about a couple wins and 
we're talking about the return of a couple key players for the team in red. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week.